Welcome to Lot Off Topic. How are you, Brad? Andrew, I am good. How are you? I'm good. Sound like you just like fiddled the microphone right there as you went into it. I did. I went and picked it up because it was sitting on the desk and I knew it was too far away to sound good, so oh, oh, I picked oh, it up. Oh, let me grab it. Yeah, pretty much what happened. Oh no, we're starting. I was doing important things, Andrew. I had to reach for my drink so it was within reach of my hands so that I could not have to interrupt later in the podcast. And I thought I did it fast enough, but nope, too since, fast. You, want, since you want to call me out. Um, yeah, I guess I will. Hey, I, uh, we got some good feedback on the last episode. A lot of people liked it. Good to Excellent. know people are listening. Yeah, it's good to know. Sometimes you forget because there's no like direct, I don't know, there's no direct audience in front of you. And unless people tell us they listen, do we have no idea? Yeah, we haven't done any questions episodes in a while. We'll have to, we'll have to do one. I mean, I know there's like analytics and stuff we can look at, but that doesn't always tell the whole story. It's nice to know people actually enjoy something sometimes. Mm. So Andy's also an excellent guest. So that uh, helps drive it along a little bit. It is. But, yeah. Hey, I had yeah. a um, random Volkswagen check engine light. Shocking. Oh. German yeah. car check engine light. I feel like this is uh, just part of the initiation. Only 15,000 miles in, which was surprising. Well, it's uh, better than 5,000 miles in, right? Yeah. Uh, it turns out, you know, I'm kind of annoyed because I was just, I, I was like, oh, it's coming up for the oil change. And I was going to go to the nice independent shop near my house, Audubon, that we like. So they put Liquamoly in it. And then the chicken like came on and I was like, well, it's under warranty, unfortunately, so I gotta go to the dealer with it. Unfortunately? Well God damn it, I have a warranty. This won't I won't have to pay anything to fix this car. <laughs> well, unfortunately, because I I mean I guess I could have had the oil change done there, but whatever. I don't want to drive around all the different places. Well, I'm I'm a big proponent of getting the oil change done at the dealer when the car is under warranty. Just because I know that God forbid something does happen, then there's nobody to blame but the dealer. You know, yeah. Well, you just need paperwork, and um, I don't know what I, kind of garbage tank oil they're putting in it, but whatever. It's under warranty, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah, that's that's my <clears> point. <throat> like, I think at the end of the day, when you go to sell the car, at the end, you know, if you have this entire history from the dealership, while the car was under warranty that it was done at the dealership, I feel like it's. And I'm not knocking the independent shops. I mean, especially especially that one. It's a great shop. I just I have this paranoia that. I'd get my car, you know, ma- maintained somewhere else, and then something would go wrong, and Volkswagen would be like, "Well, tough luck because you took it to Autobahn versus." But again, I'm I'm definitely I'm I'm not doing any favors to the independent shops, and I want to support them. So forget I said anything. I just personally don't. I mean, I don't go the the ten thousand miles between oil changes, anyways, because that seems insane. Five thousand miles is a good compromise. I usually do the 5,000, usually between 5,000 and 7,500. 10,000 is like wild. Um, it isn't. It isn't. I mean, if it's a brand new car and it's running right and that's the recommended interval, it, it is, should, but it should be okay. If, yeah, but I don't know what, if whatever oil they're buying in bulk meets the standards, who knows if it does? Cause I, we both used to work at dealerships and they just bought yeah. whatever oil. Yeah, went we didn't tank. work at a, 2021 Volkswagen dealership. I think it's yeah. I don't know. I also worked at an Infinity dealer, and it was just like 
Yeah, it's 10.30. Yep, it's 10.30. <laughs> yeah, but that was back in the <clears throat> wild times of the late 90s, early 2000s. It was different then. I think it's changed a lot in the last 20 years. Honestly, I, I do. I, I have faith that the dealership is charging me synthetic, is giving me the good synthetic and not something too garbage. I feel, I, I feel like Volkswagen wouldn't allow that of the dealer networks, basically. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Again, it's it's a personal preference. I only do it because I have a warranty. Um, I would never go to the dealer for anything that's paid out of pocket ever. So I, I, I just it's a weird paranoia that I have, and it's probably unfounded. But. No, I did. I did my own cabin filter, and uh, actually, it's probably due for an air filter. I should change that. Yes, I, I did. I'm not going to pay somebody for that. No, I, I did and, my uh, own, my cabin, my air, and my fuel filter all myself. Cause and I, was, I had to get, I had to get wipers. Although I will say that last time I had the oil done at the dealership, I also paid them to do a brake fluid flush. Ah, yeah, that's pretty annoying to do. Exactly. That's something I don't want to deal with by myself in the driveway. So I figured for a hundred bucks, it was worth it. But then the guy was like, do you want uh rotation? I was like, no. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another thing that my brain has changed a little on because we have the discount tire out here and I bought my tires from discount tire. And if you rotate your tires on their schedule, then they have an almost zero prorate warranty. All right. That's fair. But also you don't have to swap winters to summers. No. And also they don't charge me to rotate them. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I, because I swap winter to summers, I just do it myself. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Because I'm also not going to pay someone to swap winters to summers because you're not mounting or dismounting tires. Right. You're just switching wheels, which I'm fully capable of doing. Um, oh, so the, yeah, the check engine light was on. So yeah, uh, they checked it out and then they call me up and they're like, oh, it's just uh, bad fuel. It's like, it's so weird. Like That's it, very bizarre to me. Because I go to the, I went to the mobile station near my house. I go to all the time and bought, I put 93 in it. Yep. And sometimes on a, it's an independent mobile, but. Uh, I've only noticed on their diesel pump when I was filling up a diesel one time, it says not a mobile product. Right. The other stuff is mobile product. So, yep. um, and that's all brand new tanks there too, isn't it? I think so. I mean, they yeah. redid, it's a very nice gas station. Like, yeah, they have like a whole home heating thing. Like it's holding energy, like corporation, like they have this whole thing and they have a new, uh, what do you call it? Convenience store and everything. Yeah, and it's right off the highway. A lot of the 18-wheelers stop there because it has the big... It's like... It's the closest thing you have in that area to like a big Love's rest stop off the highway. I guess. You know what I mean? Like, it's not... nothing. It's nothing comparatively to one of those. But it has like... It's right off the highway. It has the, the big pumps for the tanker trucks, which have it's the huge the nozzles. For tanker trucks, yeah. Yeah, it's got the huge nozzles that don't fit in regular cars. On those pumps, um, actually, they don't even fit in my old pickup truck. I couldn't use those pumps; they're huge, like for putting in a hundred gallons at a time. You know, yeah. Uh, and they get a really nice, like you said, convenience store there. So it's, it's the closest thing to like a truck stop, I guess, on one twenty eight. So that, so it's weird because I I literally use like I go around the same time going into work every morning, not every morning, but gas. Like gas every day. Ooh. <laughs> but when I need gas, it's around the same time, and I so I end up at like the same pump. And I put 93 in it because it's turbo and sure. runs a little better. You get a little better mileage out of it. 
Um, and then, so I'm picking it up and the guy's like, oh yeah, you just need to use top tier gas. My like, well, like, mobile station. And yeah, like, I use 93 90. mobile, but also what should I use? And, there, and he's like, oh, you don't even need, you can put 87 in. It's just a golf. I'm like, yeah, it's turbo though. <laughs> and then I had a real moment in my head. I'm like, oh wait, this is like a real Ron Swanson. I'm like, I know more than you. Like, just yeah. <laughs> It's just it's just a golf, so it probably will run fine on regular. It would just you know the computer I'm, would learn and I'm sure it would run as it would run as efficient. Yeah, um, he's like, oh, we just put under warranty. They just put some fuel system cleaner in it. I was like, all right, sure. That's literally all they did. Yeah, and the light didn't come back on. No, that's weird. They, they reset it. I'm gonna when I'm on my way to work tomorrow. I'm just gonna. It's almost half a tank. I'll just put some fresh stuff in it. Yeah, that's weird. Um, yeah, it's super weird. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how you diagnose it as bad gas. Like, supposedly, I mean, it's direct injection, so it must have sensors in there for yeah. maybe water content, or it just knows pressure. I don't know. Knock. Yeah. It's weird. I don't. I don't know. Especially if you put it. Uh, yeah. I, okay. Especially, guess, yeah. This is why you have a warranty, and this is why you allow them to fix it. It's on a warranty, so if something does go wrong later. We can be like, "Oh, it's not bad gas. It was X Y Z." Yeah, and I already, I it's in paper, it's in writing. So then, like, yeah, I, I don't know. And then, yeah, it seems weird to me, right? So you, the other thing too, it didn't come on like under hard acceleration, like you would, it would be knocking or something. It just, I literally started up. It was idling. I was plugging my phone in to use CarPlay, and I looked down. And the light's on. Hmm. Okay. I also think it's weird that he recommended you use top tier gasoline. And then the same sentence was like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's just a golf. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a wild thing to say. Like, oh, you should just use something that's better. Oh, I use the best. Well, you shouldn't have to bother with that. It's just a golf. What? <laughs> Listen, if I was putting in like, you know, <laughs> Speedway 87. All right. I could see some. But that that's the other thing. 87 fuel gets used so often. Yeah, that never goes almost bad. Always, it's almost always fresh. Yeah. 93 doesn't get used as much. I've definitely gotten some bad tanks in 93 around here. Huh. Well, it's funny because most of my stuff is not turbo or it's old enough where it runs fine on 87. So I've never really had to worry about that. But it, once in a great while. And it's mostly since uh, old Big Corn got involved here. I'm, I'm also glad that there aren't. Um, consumer available at the pump grades of diesel. So I don't have to feel bad. I just have to buy whatever it is. I don't have to like make that Sophie's choice. Do I cheap out of my car and buy the cheap stuff or do I buy the good stuff? Cause it's all the same. Yeah. So it's like just dumping some 1030 in the tank and running it. <laughs> so yeah, that's solved. That's what I had going on. Well, that's pretty, uh, pretty simple then. Since we yeah. started with the, uh, Check engine light. You want to just uh, go into some project car stuff? Ah, uh, yeah, I might as well. What? Uh, what have I you think, been working on other than that? I think the only thing I did since the last podcast, um, because with Andy on, we didn't talk about any of our stuff. I, I I aligned the Galant, and the reason why I aligned the Galant was because I was going to a show, and we'll talk Correct. about that show afterwards. Yep. But I had to align the Galant because I had put the coilovers in, which I had talked about. Yep, but I just hadn't aligned it yet, and it wasn't that far off because I kept the front height pretty much the same. Basically, leveled it in the rear because the H and Rs are have a rake to them. So, 
Which wasn't uh, a bad look. It's just cooler with the even. Yeah, it's just more, it's just more level now. Uh, it does have too much camber. I need to dial some camber out, but it does track straight down the road. So that's nice. good. Excellent. And then I shot photos of the Q45 for it to go to auction. Have you heard back from them yet? Oh, yes. It was accepted. Okay. But Are they doing a reserve or no reserve? I set it for no reserve. Oh, okay. I figured, why not? Rolling the dice. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you'll lose money, so I think you'll be okay. I don't think so either. Um, I would be shocked yeah. if it weren't for less than ever. Yeah. Um, and I think I talked about putting new tires on it. It's got four brand new Yokos on it. Nice. So is it scheduled yet? Do you know when it's going to run or? Well, here's the thing. So I being, you know, the, uh, excellent photographer here, I just didn't, I don't know. We're just busy with lots of stuff this weekend and the kid and doing things. So like I had a short window of time. So I went out and I shot the exterior and then I was like, I shot some interior stuff and then it was getting dark and I was like, all right, whatever. I didn't get to the engine compartment yet or like the trunk. Right. And I didn't realize we we're having a nor'easter for three days. Right. It's been pouring rain <laughs> for three days and windy. So I don't have enough, all the pictures I want to submit yet. So the submission's like halfway filled out. How many pictures did they recommend you take? Uh, minimum 50. Huh. This is like a fact finding mission for me because, uh, you know, I'm in that field now, the auction company. I was kind of curious how it went over there. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, all right. I might as well go through it because a lot of people haven't done it before. So you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely interesting. You. Side of things. You know, sign up with an account. Click. You know, sell my vehicle. This is on cars and bids. Okay. Um. And then. It says, "All right, give us twelve, at least twelve photos of your vehicle. Answer some basic questions. Do you own it? Is it listed anywhere else? Um, anything major wrong with it?" like four or five questions like that. Um, click submit and then you'll hear from us within a business day. Okay. It was like super quick. Like it seemed like I got the email in the middle of the night or something. Sure. So then it lets you go through the next steps. You can, you got to do some other questions, uh, a little, a little bit more information about the car. You need to send them a picture of your title. Because it asks you, do you have, like, is there a lien on the car? Do you have the title? Is the title in your name? Because I suppose you, could, I could be, say, yeah, I want to sell one of my grandfather's cars. I could be selling it for him. All the, the, the thing they're most concerned about is skip title, where you're not a dealer and you have it signed from the seller, but not in your name. Ah. That's, that's that's one of the big things people try to pull all the time. We deal with that a lot at our on our action company. Yeah, because they don't want to spend we, a few bucks to title it because it adds another owner. Well, as another owner, plus they got to pay taxes depending on what state they're in. Um, So we will not sell something on a skip title. Um, However, you know, if if somebody said like, "Oh, I'm selling it for my uncle," like there'd be no way to prove it. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, we went to a a skip title. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I filled that out. There's some more questions like, uh, you know. What's the condition of the car? Or they're like, oh, they asked like, 
Uh, is it stock? Is it modified? What's the engine size? So of course this car is completely stock. Put the engine size in. Uh, notable features, quirks and features. Yeah, exactly. Um, basically, I put you know it's a touring model with the special spoiler, the BBS wheel package. Got a viscous rear diff. Um, it's the good it, one. Yeah. Any anything else that you have with it, like. I've got the owner's manual. I've got the spare keys, you know, the original key, two original keys and a valet, valet key. I've got the original window sticker. I have the original purchase and sales agreement. Um, so stuff like that. There's some, it asks you like how much uh, service history do you have? Uh, I had up to in the little packet. If you went to an infinity dealer, I could actually find the service information because they were all hooked together by infinity. Sure. Had their own system called infinity yep. net. I'm not going to do that because I don't care enough. Um, car's old. It's in low mileage and decent shape. Like you're going to buy it at auction too. Like, yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not a PPO car. Yep. Um, you can, it's, I have some stuff that was back to like 15, basically like oil changes, inspections. Uh, sure. It's all the same stuff that probably pops up yeah. in Carfax anyway. Exactly. Yeah. They wanted the VIN because um, I'm sure they've run a Carfax on it. I'm sure they do. They probably have a system like we do where we have a, uh, a pass fail system with Carfax. And if the car fails that we don't even bother going any deeper. If the car passes that, then we'll order the full Carfax. Uh, yeah. So basically stuff like that. Then I answered some other questions like, you know, any cosmetic stuff, which it does. It's got a little, um, there's a tiny rust bubble on the right rear above the bumper cover on the quarter panel. Which is the only spot I've seen on the whole car. Yep. Um, it's got some scratches in the paint that really need somebody. I could try it with a little compound, but it's not going to go away. Like a real detailer needs to do it with a sure an orbital, a full paint correction. Yeah, and I'm just not willing to do that because it looks. You saw the pictures I posted. It presents really well. Sure. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's in 1995, so. Yeah, and supposedly they had a lot thicker paint because it was a luxury vehicle. So somebody can clean it up um, if they want, or they can just drive it as is. Yep. It's got a couple door dings. Uh, it looks like the, you know, ask questions like any body work, which I believe the bumpers were resprayed because it was a, I think it was a New York City car. And it, it spent, or it spent time in the city. The original that owners makes, from Long Island. That makes sense with the mileage. Yeah, and it definitely looks like they were repainted. Um, I tried to fix the fog light, but it's it's banged up. Like somebody hit like a parking curb with it, bent okay. it. But it's not that bad, you know. I I noted that. I'm gonna take pictures. I figured what I'd do. There's also one spot in the driver's fender that's like a few inches of where clear coat's peeling. I have a little metal ruler. I'll go around all the trouble spots, you know, cause I took really nice, beautiful pictures. Like it looks really cool. So you can, you get the idea of how nice the car looks. I'll, I'll go around and take detail photos of the little imperfections. Just represent what the car is. It's an honest car. Um, yep. yeah. Honest seller. Anything, honest car. anything that doesn't work, you know, let them, I just let them know that the right rear or the left rear window regulator doesn't really work that well. Um, the Tendis CD changer doesn't work. It's just all stuff like that. Right. 
And then I think once I get through that, once I upload all the pictures, then the next steps it says is like scheduling and, and uh, yeah. And then it, whenever the auction runs and hopefully it sells. So that's very similar to our, our process at uh, Auto Hunter. So we do um, cars get submitted with a minimum of six pictures. And then we talk to you about whether we even want to run it or not. Because we have obviously, you know, cars need to meet the curation standards. Which so you have like a human is... contact though? Like I haven't even talked to a human yet through email. Oh, yeah. So the, you initially submit the car and there's no human contact. What happens is it comes through and one of my jobs is I get I get the car in the submitted file. I take a look at it. I put what I think is a reasonable reserve request. Or I, I look at their reserve request. I put what I think is a reasonable number. If their number's fine, I'll run it there. If their number's not fine, I'll be like, all right, well, you know, you wanted 27 grand. You know, I'm looking through all these comparable cars that are sold at auction, you know, combined with cars that are for sale, the historic the historical data. You know, I think the car's got a, a good reserve that guarantees the car will be sold and it's still a comfortable number for us is 23,000. And then what happens is I forward it to a new place and one of our sales reps will look at it and they will make a, an actual phone call to the customer at that point. So that's one of the things that we're real high on is phone calls because none of the other auction sites do phone calls. So that's yeah. one of, that's one of our, like we have that human back and forth connection with the customer because, you know, especially where we do, you know, cars and bids is eighties through modern, right? Yeah. I bet your demo likes a phone call. Our demo skews older. Because we do a lot of, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s stuff. So they really like a phone call. Um, they like to talk about their car. They really like to tell us, you know, the quirks and features of the car. And then what will happen is before the, you know, sales rep gets too deep into the phone call with the customer, they'll be like, listen, you know, we have a, a person in the, in the shop here. His, um, his job is classic car specialist. His entire job is to monitor the market. He thinks that a good reserve price would be $23,000. Are you comfortable with a reserve of 23,000? You know, well, I wanted 27. Well, you're asking 27, you know, somebody's going to come to your door and they're going to offer you 25. You know, they're going to offer you 24. We're giving you the guarantee that the car won't sell unless it hits 23. So you have that safety net of 23. And then, oh, you know, our, the classic car specialist also found all of these other cars that have sold much similar to yours. And in this range of price, you know, I see some for 21, some for 25. We just want to kind of hit it in the middle and make sure we get a sale on your car. You know, yeah. that, that kind of a deal. So, the, yeah, that big important number is that sale through number, right? We, yes, we don't want to run cars and then not have them sell. And it's not just selfish. Like, obviously, if, if we have a 10% sell through, nobody wants to sell the car. They're not going to spend the money because the cars don't sell. So, the higher the sell through number is, the better, obviously. Yeah. But the other issue is that with that is in the age of the internet, once your car goes through auction with the VIN number, it's Google searchable forever. Ooh. So if you try to sell your car and it doesn't sell and it only bids to whatever, then your car forever is now flagged on the internet as, hey, you know, this car only bid to 16. He's looking for 32. What's wrong with this car? Why did nobody want this car then? So we're not going to run somebody's car for some ridiculous number because we don't want to flag the car forever. You know, it's, it's sure we want our sell through, but we also don't want to, you know, mark the car per se. Like it just becomes, it becomes a, it becomes a mark and that's very easy to search within numbers. And 
I've had more than one occasion where a customer submits a car and they're like, oh, I want 30 grand for this. And I, I'm searching the internet for comparable cars for sale and I'll find that exact car they bought at some other auction for half that. Yeah. You know, and then we're not going to, we're not going to run a reserve of yeah. double what they just paid for it. Cause if the market was there, then it would have been up at the other auction site. You yeah. Know? No, it, it wasn't, it wasn't half that 10 years ago. Right. It was, it, Cause that would be understandable. Right? Yeah. If, if, if as many years in between, we'll have a conversation, but you know, we have one that sells in, in July and you come back to me in August and you're like, oh, I want 30 grand for this thing. Well, I see you just bought it for 15. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I think it's worth more. That's nice. It might be. We're going to run it with a reserve of 15 because that's what it bid to last month. And the same buyer base is going to find this car for sale. And if somebody finds the tickets worth 30, then they'll bid it up above 15. But we're not going to, we're yeah. not in the business of, you know, flipping cars. That's not what auctions are. Auctions are to get cars in front of an audience. And if the car was recently in front of an audience, chances are pretty good. It's going to perform the same again. I feel like it too. It's, um, it's the, fair market value so auctions are definitely fair market value so everybody has it unlike so right so say i listed this q45 for whatever amount and everybody's like that's too much i'm not paying that i'll offer you this yep and it it goes round around like that forever eventually i'm like fine and i just sell it for whatever that price is right that's just kind of annoying right but sure that's kind of how you just sell cars that aren't like or just like whatever. I mean, that's, that's how, how we've sold, sold cars my entire WRX. life. Yeah, that's like the way I sold my WRX, right? Yeah. But like, um, a car that is nice enough that should I think should go to an online auction because I want more people to see it than just Facebook Marketplace dweebs. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever price it gets bid to, that's the price. Like that's what the car yeah. is worth. Hundred percent. There are extenuating circumstances. You know, there could be. A car isn't photographed very well, so it doesn't yeah. perform as well as auction as it would with better photographs. And and that's definitely a thing. And I, I I see it every day. Like a car with bad photographs is never going to get as much traction as a well-photographed car. And I don't just mean like, you know, a perfect setting in front of a sunset with, you know, mountains in the background. I mean, a nice, clear shot that highlights the car and makes the car look good. And if you don't have that shot, then people aren't spending you know, they're not spending the premium to buy your car that you took two seconds to roll out a garage and snap a couple pictures of with a cell phone, you yeah. know, and that's, that's the hardest thing to get people to understand is that they need to take good photos of their car. We even offer, I'm sure cars and bids probably does too, a professional photo service. Yep. You know, you pay whatever for a half hour session or an hour session and you get professional done photos of your car. And I guarantee you that if I pulled numbers for cars that had professional photos versus not, those cars, professional photos perform better at auction in the end. They absolutely do. So I, it's, it's so hard to get people to understand that. And well, especially, especially, yeah, if you're selling a car that's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah, and you're balking over paying someone two to 300 bucks to shoot it, it's not even that much. Yeah. It's not even that much for yeah. some of them. So what, what, what kills me is you get this person who, first of all, wants to argue the price of their car. Like, oh, I think it's worth more. Okay, it might be, but we need to put it to auction and find out because none, none have ever sold for that much before. Maybe yours is the one that will, but I can't make that promise, so I'm not going to make that promise. Well, these pictures are fine. Sir, if you want to have the highest sale on record ever for this car, you should probably take a little time and at least back it out of the garage. Ah, yeah. these pictures are fine. 
And then my line is always, well, would you spend $50,000 based on these pictures? Yeah. Or would you want They're in shadow. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's a really, it's a really funny, like exercise of the human condition, I guess, when in this day and age of 2021 with cell phones, you have a a screen in front of you that shows you exactly what the picture is going to look like when you click, take the picture. And mm-hmm. people still can't follow a basic photo guide. That blows my mind. Like some people yeah. don't want to spend the money for personal photos. Great. You have a cell phone. You think it takes the best pictures in the world. You think you're the next Ansel Adams with an iPhone. Maybe you are. But when you have your thumb in front of the picture or the car is sideways or you cut off, you know, the very corner tip of the car, like you have the screen in front of you. Like, you know what this picture is going to look like before you take the picture. What are you doing? It's very frustrating. I know. I use my phone a lot. And then, like, especially this year, I haven't used it as much as my nice camera. And then I pull out my nice camera and take, I'm like, oh, God, right. that's so much better. Yeah, hey, you <laughs> take the picture with your phone. And you can take a great picture. But then yeah. you, you take the same shot with your camera. And you're like, the depth and the color and everything is just, it's so much sharper. It's just such a nicer image. And that shows huge on online auction. You know, it shows absolutely huge on online auction. So it is what it is. People will learn eventually, but right now they're being stubborn. So, so anyway, I gotta, um, I gotta find some time. I probably won't. Uh, I got some other stuff coming up that we'll talk about. Um, it'll probably be when I'm back, uh, and I'll finish that listing. So excellent. Do you have undercarriage shots too? I, I, I had some, and I pulled them on, on my computer, but I didn't, uh, I didn't use my lights that I have. Okay. You should definitely take some. And I don't, I don't difference. like, I know. And I don't like the way these came out. Cause they were just straight out of the cell phone with yeah. not enough light yep. and they look grainy and weird and yeah. color cast. Um, it makes it look worse than it yeah. actually is. Yeah. I would definitely, uh, definitely put it on the lift and use some lights and take some good shots. It's, it's yeah, I'll use my actual lights. And then um, I got to do, Oh, they also recommend some like, Walk ground videos, which yep. is fine. I can do that. A start Walk ground video, video, cold start video, and an acceleration video. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. to show everything. Yep. Yeah. The, the more effort you put into this part, the more money you get for the car every time. You know, you look at the top seller on Bring a Trailer. Um, I think his name, it's the, it goes under the username 911R. Just search the username 911R on Bring a Trailer and look at that guy's listings. And he gets top dollar for everything he sells. And he's just like a dealer. He's a dealer out of like Portland, Oregon or somewhere, Hmm. but he has like artistic magazine quality photos for every car he does. Yeah. And they're just, they're stunningly gorgeous. And he gets, you know, I'd say a solid 15 to 20% more for the same car than somebody else would. It sounds cheesy, but you got to sell the dream. Yep. Yep. I had had that same conversation with a customer selling an FJ, like an FJ 40. And it's not, no, it's, it's not even being like a hokey used car slick salesman. Like, no, you just want to, I want, I'd like to pass this on to some other enthusiasts. It's not, I'm not trying to pass yeah. off a clunker. Yeah, no. And it's, we had that conversation with a guy with an FJ 40, like a 78 or something. You know, he had all these pictures of his car in a garage and then one picture of the car, like on a camping trip overlooking a Vista. It's like, do you have more of those? <laughs> like you're selling yeah. an adventure vehicle. That's uh Let's make this happen. Exactly. So I don't know. It's uh it's an interesting process. I'm learning a lot. 
I get super angry at the people who are like, these auctions are ruining the market value. No, these auctions are ruining you buying a cheap car and ruining it. They're yeah. not ruining the actual, like. You weren't going to buy a car at auction anyways. Exactly. You're the, like, keep scouring Craigslist. Keep scouring Facebook. You'll find deals. Yep. Like we've said. Yep. Not not every car is in, is up for auction right now. Like. There's plenty of cars out there. There is. You you didn't buy this Infinity at auction, so... Nope. There it is. So what did you do to cars? Oh, I did lots of stuff. Um, Let's see, what did I do? Where did we start? It's been a couple weeks since we talked about anything. Uh, I think last we left off, the Colt was giving me nightmares of the starter. You talked about that, right? Yeah. So I finally got a chance to take a look at the starter in the car to find out why it wasn't disengaging. And it was quite frustrating. Yeah. Um, the starter is the same across a lot of Mitsubishis. So like 1970 Dodge Colt through 1999 Montero is pretty much the same starter, right? Problem being that the gear is there a name for that gear? The gear that actually it mounts to the um the Bendix. The Bendix is the gear the Bendix. The gears have the Bendix. The little, little motors the Bendix, right? Yeah, I don't so know what that gear is. The bevel. It's a bevel gear. The Bendix the gear. The, the gear on the, the Bendix. The flywheel. Yeah, it's, it's what directly connects the starter to the flywheel to start the car. So. The problem is these starters are pretty much universal across Mitsubishi, but it turns out that there's different widths on that gear on the Bendix. Yeah. And when I you buy you, remands, you get, what you get thrown in boxes. Yeah. And it, whatever comes back, comes back, they get mixed up. Yeah. Which is and frustrating. I think, I think the same thing happened to you that happened to me with the Montero where I got a three liter starter and I needed a three, five starter. So it didn't quite reach was too small. No, it was, it kept, it was still engaging. Okay. Well, that's what happened with this. It would stay engaged, but not fully. No, so it sounds horrible. Yeah. It sounded, like a... it sounded like you could hear the metal scraping on metal basically. Yeah. And after taking it out, I can see the damage on the end of the tooth from the flywheel spinning. Mm-hmm. So super frustrating. Um, the local rebuild shop is like two weeks out, which is super annoying. Um, I was going to send the original one to the rebuild shop, but so I shopped around a little more on the internet and I looked closely at pictures and I think I found one that has the smaller size piece on it. And I'm hoping it's true to the picture and not just going to be like a, you know, representative image of, um, because I don't know how to change that gear out. Do you? No, you can't. Yeah. I mean, you can probably if you have all the right equipment, but I don't have that. So I mean, you should just still drop the other ones off. To be so here's what, here's what I'm doing. Um, I ordered the starter. It was like a four day shipping thing. It was, I think, thirty five dollars. It wasn't super expensive. I figure worst case scenario, I'll get it and it'll be wrong and I'll send it right back to Rock Auto. And then I'll send off the other one to get it rebuilt. Um, either way, I'm going to send off the other one and have it rebuilt. So I have a spare on the shelf. Uh, I did not send back the initial one that was wrong because A, I installed it and it's electrical and it'll probably be a nightmare to deal with them. But also it was $15. Yeah. 
Oh, I sent my the Bosch one back that I got from them. I clearly, I clearly used. Oh, I no, I said it was installed. I said it didn't fit. It was a hundred dollars. Uh, <laughs> no, this was fifteen bucks, and I'm assuming that it's the correct starter for a two six, which I have two cars with a two six in them. So I'll just have it on hand because it works fine otherwise. You know what I mean? So I figured for $15, I know it works. It's got the wider gear. The wider gear is probably for the 2.6 or maybe the 3.0-liter V6, whatever. I'll eventually have one of those, I'm sure. And I definitely have a couple of 2.6s around that can use it. doesn't take up much space in the parts shelf. It's fine. Um, it's worth just having it, I think, for that particular case. But So anyway, I've ordered the starter. It's not here yet, so I can't tell you what happened. Um, I just was super frustrated by it, but at least I figured out what it is and it won't be too big a deal to take care of putting a new starter in now that I know how it fits in there. So nicely, easily that like hour and a half, it took me to take it apart. The first time was due to my own, uh, I don't know, my own lack of looking in the right places. So anyway, so that's all taken care of. Um, if you remember back when I went to the Japanese show in Williams, Arizona, I took the Cressida and I had issues with the brakes. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about that. I was driving into the hotel up there after a long, you know, 150 mile highway run. And we got out of the car and we smelled hot brakes. We got back in the car after checking into the hotel to drive to like the parking spot and I could hear the right rear brake dragging. We backed out of the parking spot the next morning to go to the show because it was like 11 o'clock at night when we got there. I wasn't going to deal with it. Um, And I heard a loud clank, but everything seemed fine. Put the car in drive and drove down the hill and the right rear wheel kind of locked up. I put it in reverse, backed up a few... I don't know, a few yards and everything kind of freed up, put it back in drive and everything worked. So crossed our fingers, drove for the car show. The next day we're like, well, we're going to cross our fingers because nothing seemed to go bad today. We drove around town a little bit. We'll try to make it home and I'll deal with it in the yard, in the garage instead of trying to take this thing apart on the side of the road. So that worked out fine. We got home, finally got a chance this week to dig into it, find out what was going on. I went ahead and bought all new brakes for the rear. So I brought, I bought shoes, wheel cylinders, and a hardware kit. I didn't buy drums because you can get them turned at you know the local parts store. Uh, took the thing apart. Had a little trouble getting the drums off. And then I remembered the trick that we used to do at your dad's garage with that little hole and a bolt. And just buy a 8 millimeter by 1.25 thread bolt to put in that hole to back the to push the drums out off the off the uh, shoes. Yeah, it's either that or you go in there and you you turn the adjuster to turn the shoes in. Right, that could have worked too, but the easier way to do it was the bolt because the adjuster's in the back and it's just a pain. So it was easier just to do it this way with that with that bolt. So I did it with that bolt. Um, got the shoes off. Sorry, I got the drums off, and as I took the drum off, this little spring fell out. Obviously not ideal. Uh-huh. Um, it turns out what it was, it was the top side 
return spring for the shoes. So mm. basically the the wheel cylinder is mounted at the top of the backing plate. And when you step on the brakes, it pushes out to the front and the rear, the shoes to engage them into the drum. And then it returns by having the spring pull it back in. Yep. So what had happened, why I smelled brakes was apparently that spring had let go. I'm assuming pulling off of the highway or maybe at some point in the road trip. And we're just going fast enough that it was just tumbling around inside there. And then when we stopped, it made its way down to the bottom and jammed up in between the shoe and the drum. So it was stuck in the bottom. And actually, I could see a little damage on the lining of the shoes where it was like a little crack in the shape of the edge of the spring. So my Hmm. guess is it was just banging around inside when it broke. And then we stopped. It fell to the bottom. I drove away again and it made its way, you know, probably when I put it in reverse backing out of the spot, which is why I made a big clank. It probably found its way, you know, turning the opposite direction. It just caught itself. It caught itself right and pulled it right into the, um, into the shoe. And then when I went forward, it flung it back the other way to the point where it actually stopped that wheel. That's why I had that other big clunk and the wheel locked up. And then when I backed up, it freed it up enough and I put it in drive and it just kind of did its thing and it found a place where it was out of the way. Uh, The entire rest of the trip home, the brakes never got super hot, uh, but they definitely were smelling like brake and taking that drum off is a lot of friction material that wore off uh, more so than on the passenger side. So I took that side off to see where the spring was supposed to be. So it turns out that it's the I said it's the upper return spring and it has a hook to go into the shoe and then it has like four coils and then a straight piece and then like eight coils and then a hook for the other shoe and it's snapped in between the two sections of coils. So yeah. I guess it was just like, hey, man, I'm 40 some odd years old, you know, 1979. So what's that? 42 years old. So it's a 42 year old break part. And it was like, nope. I'm done. My spring tension is gone. I've had enough. So I think that's what happened. But the good news is I didn't need to buy all the other parts because everything else looks in good shape. The mm-hmm. linings have have almost exactly the same millimeter um, meat on them that the new ones do. The wheel cylinders are working. Everything's dry. So I didn't have to do a brake job. I just had to pull the spring out and put the new spring in. It was a little challenging getting the spring in there. Uh, but it's in there and I actually took a shakedown drive with the car today. I took it to work this morning just to make sure everything would be fine before I drive it to LA for the weekend. Um, and everything seemed to work. So we are go for the trip to LA. Now the bad news. What's that? I went to change the idler arm in the front because the bushings are worn out of the one Mm -hmm. in there. Yeah. And the one we got for the junkyard was good until mm-hmm. I started messing with it and the bushings all failed. Uh, so it'll be another road trip with a worn out idler arm, which while not dangerous is annoying. Oh, yeah, nothing's going to fall. Did you find a shop out there yet? Uh, I found a shop that's going to rebuild it, but I have to send it to them. Ah. So I also found out that White Line makes the bushings to rebuild them. Oh. Huh. Um, but the problem is they're in Australia and they're like 
the shipping time right now with all of the shipping issues with COVID. Oh. Instead, if I ordered them yesterday, I'd have them by like January 25th. Really? They can't do like DHL or something? I It was on eBay. I didn't call them or anything. Yeah. Um, I was just annoyed at that shipping time. So I ran their white line part number and tried to find a source somewhere in the States and nobody has them. But uh, what I will do is I'll probably send them an email, you know, probably first of the year. Um, they make all the bushings for the front of the car. Interesting. Yep. So I will buy a full bushing kit from them at some point and uh, it'll probably never break again, you know? No. So the other, the other news about that actually is I had got in that one from the junkyard and this is why the thing all fell apart because the one from the junkyard, the arm was longer than the one in my car by a solid half an inch. Weird. Which doesn't make any sense. So either mine's wrong or the junkyard one is wrong, and I'm not sure. Hmm. So that's why I was going to swap out bushings from the junkyard one to mine, and they didn't. Uh, they did not survive. We'll put it that way. So, so it is what it is. You know, all the best laid plans, right? Check Super Pro too. They might make stuff. Super Pro also has it, but they're also in Australia. It has the same issue. Mm. Yep. So I think it's the same bushing kit as a Toyota pickup, but I'm having a hard time confirming it. Yeah. Um, because they sell them in a kit and the Toyota pickup one comes with some other stuff too. So not, not that I can get any of them because they're also all in Australia, but it is what it is. Um, I'll deal with it when you get back from the trip. The, the only annoying thing is, is that it clunks pretty good because the bushings are blown out of it. Um, and it wanders a little bit because you know, the purpose of the idler arm is basically to keep everything centered. It's to keep it, you know, running straight down the road. Yeah. So when the bushing's blown out and you get, you know, a half inch of play, the car has a half inch of wander. Mm. Um, which again isn't the end of the world. It tracks pretty straight. It's aligned fine. It's not gonna wear out the tires. It's not dangerous. Everything's still nice and solidly mounted. The bushing's just blown out. So mm. it is what it is. I'm just gonna deal with it and worry about it when we get back. Um I did I am bringing another one that I have that's also too long, which is also strange, which is why I think the one in the car is wrong, but I need to do some more research now. Um, I'm bringing it with me in case there is some kind of a failure point. It's not perfect, but it's better than the ones in the car, but it's also Mm -hmm. too long. So I wasn't just going to put it in, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm having a hard time figuring it out. So we'll see what happens. I do a little more, do a little more digging, a little more research, but. Worst case scenario is a shop in California that I take mine apart. I drop it in the mail. They rebuild it and send it back. You know, it's like a five-day turnaround. It's not a huge deal. I just don't have five days now because I thought I had all the parts to put it back together, right? But I don't. So obscure car problems, right? Yeah. I'll deal. Life goes on. Worst case scenario, I can tow it to California if I had to, I guess. All right. So anyway, events then, I guess that gets us into events. I did sure. talk about going to Japanese car day at Lars Anderson. Okay. Cause, cause we had Andy on. Yeah. Um, that was super fun. I took the G20. Uh, I took my son and putting a car seat in the G20. That's why cars are so giant now because yep. rear facing car seats, uh, barely fit in that car. Yeah. You basically need to take the passenger seat out of the car. Yeah. 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 I had to put, I was like, well, my my dad was planning on coming, but he wasn't feeling well. So uh, I was like, man, well, if he did come, he would have been up like his knees in the dashboard. Mm-hmm. 
I guess I could have put him in the center of the. Rear. Is there a shoulder belt in the center? No, but it goes. It doesn't matter because the seatbelt passes through the bottom section. The bottom section of the yeah, seat. That's right too. But then it probably would have interfered with both seats. Right. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but um, I basically took that car because it's like the quietest, comfortable car. Yeah, well, and you were planning on taking the Galant to the next show you talk about, so yeah, it's nice to have a little variety. Plus, nobody's ever seen that car there before. No, uh, I ran into a bunch of people. Uh, I saw other people take pictures of it and post them, so obviously it went over pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, our buddy Chris with the Delica let my son run around and play inside the Delica for a little while. He must have loved that. Oh, he did love that. He instantly found one of uh, Chris's son's probably old Hot Wheels buried in, in the cup holder. Yeah. Um. Yeah, your dad was there with his. Yeah, he brought the Celica, Supra? right? Super Celica, Celica Supra. Not a Supra, it's a Celica. Uh, so in that generation of Celica, the Supra was also a Celica, but it was a Celica Supra. It had a longer <laughs> nose, and it had an inline six, where the Celica was a four cylinder. So the cars are identical from the firewall back. Yeah, I was gonna say the rear is like the same, but the nose is different. Yes, it's a longer, longer fenders and stuff on the Supra Weird. to house the six cylinder. So, so yeah, um, Osaka Flacco was there. Was our thirty two? Yep. Um, Paul, Paul. There's a bunch of, bunch of stuff there. Yeah, if you start listing off all of our friends that were there, you're gonna miss somebody inevitably. Yeah. So we'll just say you saw a bunch of people. Well, I w- I will say so. Having gone to the show for easily the last. 15 years or so. Yep. At least that. Um, it's gotten way, way bigger. Yep. Way bigger. It's cool. The appreciation I mean, of that, Japanese cars has gone way up. I mean, I remember when there was like 30 cars there. Yep. And now they filled the upper lower half of Lars Anderson. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good take. A lot of JDM imports. Uh, hopefully people can keep them. <laughs> yeah. Lots uh, of uh, younger people with older cars. It's neat. Um, A friend of mine from the West Coast who lives in California, uh, you probably remember seeing pictures of his black Dodge Challenger, like 83 Dodge Challenger. So he's the Dodge version of the Sapporo. Yeah, I met him at at a Radwood. Oh, okay. Um, He had it at the LA Radwood that you weren't at. Correct. 2019. Correct. So I was just playing around Instagram the day before Japanese Car Day. Uh, and I saw somebody posted videos down on the, on their stories at Salem Willows. And I was like, oh, Salem Willows. I missed that. And I was like, wait a second. He lives in California. <laughs> um, so I messaged him. I was like, hey, you're in my hometown. And he's like, oh, wild. That's crazy. And I started talking to him. And I was like, hey, you're looking for car stuff to do. There's Japanese car day tomorrow in Boston. And he goes, really? I was looking for something to do. That sounds perfect. So that was pretty neat. He got to go um, experience the East Coast version of what he's used to out in the west coast uh yeah it was a nice day for it too so. yeah, it was a perfect day for it and he was actually pretty impressed with the cars that were there um i mean it's not the same stuff as jtcs it's a no. lot of more modern stuff not necessarily modern but like you know 90s modern you yeah. know a lot more of the jdm import stuff but he said it was an awesome time so mm-hmm. he was definitely stoked to be able to experience uh a little bit of both coasts versions of it. So if you want to follow him on Instagram, his Instagram handle is um, 710 Dotson. So 710 and the word Dotson. So, yeah. So I had super fun. 
Sun had fun. Um, it was a good day out. We were only there till like noontime, so it worked out well. Yeah, well, it's life with a kid, right? You can only entertain him for so long and you gotta change scenery. <laughs> oh, he was falling asleep by noontime. Okay. That's, a, that's his nap time. Yeah. Also um, part of it. So then the following weekend, this past weekend, was uh, the Radwood display at Greenwich Concourse. Which is pretty interesting. Um, apparently. That car course used to be a two-day thing, so they do foreign cars on Saturday and American cars on Sunday. Um, I've never heard of that being a thing anywhere before. That's interesting. Yeah, so then they were bought by Haggerty, and they've changed some stuff up. Everything's been bought by Haggerty. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily a bad thing. Um, Quality of, like, everything there was, like, super nice. Um, as far as like facility and like plenty of like food vendors and stuff. Um, so then they changed Saturday to like more fun stuff. They kept saying, so they had a nice, nice way of saying, um, accessible for norm for normal people. Yeah. More norm core cars. Yeah. Um, instead of like cars from the twenties, you've never heard of. That are worth $12 million. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I have no emotional attachment to this vehicle because it was built 50 years before I was born. It was built for the king of Prussia in 1910. Why do I care? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, And so there was like Concours de Le Mans, Radwood display, and then some thing was Porchella, which I think it was supposed to look like the Coachella logo, but it was Porchella. Porchella. Porsches. Celebrating the modified Porsche. Okay. It's, I was like, okay. That's, that's a stretch. I'll listen. Like, I guess some of the outside. Yeah. They were kind of jokey about it. They're like, yeah, it turns out they built a million 911s. Yeah. And there was a bunch of customized ones, but you're like, I don't know, is a customized 911 that special anymore? Like, there's a lot of them. For a and while. I get it. Yeah, for a while they weren't okay, but now they're accepted, so. And I get it, man. I would love, a, like, a narrow body car, super cool. Wide body car, super cool. Long nose, like, they're super, the early air cooled, super, super cool. Yep. Completely unattainable because they're so goddamn expensive. Yeah, I, I can't think of a 911 I wouldn't want to own. Other than an automatic modern one, I mean they're just they're good cars, they're neat cars. I've I've uh, caught some flack for my opinions on nine eleven people recently, um, but at the end of the day, I I, I get oh, it. Oh, there were some of these people there. I mean, they're, they're a great car. They're just, they did like a they were doing like roving reporting like interviews. And they had a giant like TV screen, which I saw was really neat. That was really cool. Yeah, but they interviewed this guy with like a brand new 911 GT2 blah 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 point four sure. six something point two and three quarters. But his the the claim to fame with this car was that he was told that it was as much customization as you could ever do with a Porsche. Porsche wouldn't customize it anymore. Sure, and he had already done it. So it had some ridiculous paint to sample color, some ridiculous rose gold wheels. The boot was lined with leather as opposed to carpet it matched the interior and like all the stuff. And the guy's like interviewing the owner. He's like, so do you, do you drive this? And the guy's like, actually I don't, I have other cars. I drive more. He's like, I just 
look at this one in the garage. It's just like, okay. Wow, that's lame. Like, <laughs> I wish I had 150 grand to park in the garage. Yeah. This is probably a $300,000 car. With all Whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it was... Uh, I wish I had 10 grand to park in the garage, you know? like yeah. <laughs> It's a little crazy to think about. Yeah, it's kind of... A lot of it feels like self-congratulatory stuff. You're like, okay. And that's what it is, because he is a guy who has a lot of money. He went to Porsche, and he said, build this for me. And he's never done anything but park it at a car show. Yeah, it's a one-of-one. Okay. Sure. (laughs) So that's the most self-congratulatory you could be. Like, you've put zero effort into this, and you don't even drive it. I mean, my Galant is one-of-one, because there's no other Galant that looks exactly like mine. Every car is one of one. You come down to it. <laughs> yeah. You know, my my 13 Jetta is the only one with the exact miles on it. And, you know, a little dent in the middle of the back bumper and, you know, a peeled paint on the hood edge. Like, in the exact way mine is. Like, if you want to get down to it, that's that's where we're at. My, my clear coat looks like a Jackson Pollock. Therefore, I am a one of one Volkswagen. Yeah. And I should ask a ton of money for it. But yeah, yeah, people can be people can be a little obtuse about that stuff. I, I see it obviously with some of the muscle car people, you know, selling muscle cars. They get, you know, this car was built on a Tuesday, and no other car built on a Tuesday has, you know, a three seventy three rear with yeah fourteen inch wheels. Like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so yeah, whatever. Um, cool part was Radwood was like at the waterfront. Apparently, yeah, I, they I were, saw that. They were, they were like, oh, yeah, we used to, they used to put tents there instead. And now we're parking cars there along the waterfront. Like, it's way pretty location. Way. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. So they had like 50 car display. Uh, I was one of two Mitsubishis. So my Gallant. The other one was me. Yeah, your doppelganger. <laughs> yeah. Um, this very nice kid. I cannot remember his name. Ethan. Ethan. Um, right? Bomb yeah. Gardner or something? Yep. Uh, and his partner, I can't remember her name. Sorry, uh, if you're listening, I did tell him about the podcast. We had a Mitsubishi friendly podcast. So, this is the first podcast you're going to listen to, and you botched it all. Uh, it's all right. So, I didn't realize at first that it was a turbo car because I just looked at it. Sorry, it was a GS, but talking to him, it's an early, early car, 89 GS. So, it's actually a turbo. So, basically, the launch car. That's in all the all the brochures. Not the launch car, but the options S- launch Sel- car. Selena. Yes. Anyway, That's right. We'll, moving on. Um, so it's it looks just like your car, which is a ninety three. Correct. Um, but this is an eighty nine, and it's a turbo. So, the way that car looks, mm-hmm. so it's it's the red Eclipse with the black rub strips all the way around. Yep. Um, it not has a wide, doesn't have the wide body kit that the later cars had. The GSX has had. Correct. It doesn't have the, like the fiberglass rocker covers that make it wider. It has like the rocker covers that are pinched in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that car only looked like that in late 89, early 1990 in the States. Yeah. And but most, that is the car that's on the brochures. Like that's what I mean when I say it's the launch car. Like when you see pictures correct. of the it's, clips being launched, that was the options. It's like a that early car Miata. That that car is the reason that I bought my car because I love the look of the launch car. But the only way to get the look of the launch car was to either buy a 
mid-89 build or a Euro import that looked the same until the 90s, which is weird they didn't do any of the other changes because even the GS in the States didn't look the same after that body style had changed a little. And then then the GS became a non-turbo. Well, and the neat part about that is it's a GS turbo, not a GST. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's labeled on the back. It just says Eclipse GS. And then under it, it says turbo 16 valve, right? Yeah. So whereas the immediately in 1990, it went to GS dash T for the turbo. So it's really really neat to see an early car. And I, 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 as much as I love my car, seeing that car and it being a turbo, I'm like, oh, man. So you picked that up from the original owner out of upstate New York, 70,000 miles on it. Guy never drove it in the winter. It's got no rust on it. It's a beautiful car. Beautiful. It's pure, yeah, perfect. It's got some, got a couple dents on it. He's going to have PDR, but um, talking to him about it, he's like, yeah, I don't really want to modify this car. I'm like, good. Yeah, perfect. Because it's, and he agreed with me, and I agree with him. It's like it's never gonna that those cars are so rare now. Yep, that particular spec of car is never gonna exist again. Nope. If you want one, you can find a later car to play yeah. with. If you want to build a hot rod, buy one that's already hot rodded. Yeah, plenty of them out there. If you find a seventy thousand mile original DSM, don't take it apart. Just no. enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, they're very good in stock yeah. form. I. Yeah, they're not going to win any drag races. They're not going to win any autocrosses, but they're just a very nice driving car. Yeah. As as time and space allows, I will probably have a stock all-wheel drive DSM at some point. Sure. Or even a front-drive early car like that. It's fine, too. Yeah. Again, we're not looking for a race car here. We just want something that drives nice. And I, uh, I, after seeing that car, it makes me want to possibly get rid of mine and find that spec with the turbo. But it is what it is. It would be nice here in the mountains mm-hmm. to have a turbo car. Yeah, so that was a really cool car. Um, there was um, a really late Di Tommaso that won Radisson show. Yeah, I could. I didn't know what it was at first. I was looking at it. I was like, "Is this a Maserati? It's Pantera. Is this a? Is this a uh, I thought it was a Lister at first. Yeah, I didn't a, know what it was. And then late... when somebody said D Tomaso Pantera, and I was like, oh, I could see it in the in the like B pillars. Yeah, the the, the A pillar, the the like B pillar window, the windshield. Yeah. And they're a modernized version of the uh Campagnolo alloys. Yeah, it was like one of the last cars off the line or something crazy. Yeah, and it's still owned by D Tomaso, I think was the, the story. It's owned it. by they told us the the guy that was showing it told us it's owned by Miller Motor Car Company, which is a dealership group down there. Okay. Who was the last dealer for Di Tommaso. So, who owns the rights to Di Tommaso or something. I don't know. They're trying to bring back the name and bring back it. There's some concept car out there or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, so it's a 91 De Tommaso Pantera 90 SI. Yeah. So I don't like Pantera GTSs. So this early, so this early Panteras that came out in the seventies, like you know, Elvis's yellow car, chrome bumpers, no add-on flares, no anything. As they went into the eighties, they got some fiberglass flares. They got a fiberglass style, uh, Countach uh, style rear spoiler. They got some big old, you know, crash bumpers. And I don't it's like, I don't like them. It's like that car did, C three Corvettes did, yeah. 
so it got, did. It like got all that garbage. Through. And then through the 80s, the bumpers got smaller, but they kept the big flares and the big wing, and I never liked it. Um, but this corrects all of that. Yeah, this car is amazing. Car. <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing car. I I love it. I, I It's crazy to think that that Pantera literally was built from 1970 until 1991. Yeah. Like, and then um, the best domestic was a Choo Choo Customs yep. El Camino. Uh, I guess like original owner was owned it a long time. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I recently did a bunch of research into Choo Choo Customs because we were selling one through our auction site. Yeah. Uh, and they only very recently went out of business. Hmm. They were doing like pickup truck. So you know those pickup trucks that you see at dealerships from time to time throughout the 90s and early 2000s? Yeah. It would be like an extended cab pickup with like these fiberglass flare kit that went into fiberglass side steps and it faded from like beige in the bottom oh, until yeah. white on yeah. top. Yeah. So that's what Choo Choo was doing all through the 90s and early 2000s. <laughs> fiberglass so, masters. Yeah, they are for sure. And uh, the one thing I've recently noticed about Choo Choo Custom El Caminos is that depending on the base car, and most of them were SSs, so most of them had the body molding on the side, um, they do, they never changed the body molding. So it ends where the wraparound chrome bumper would have met it. And just it just stops at the, at the where they put that Monte Carlo SS style urethane nose on. Yeah. So it just looks dumb on every single one of them. And I know your thoughts on El Caminos anyway. But I've decided that as a kid, I loved El Camino, El Camino Choo Choo Customs. Um, but as an adult, I don't like them at all. Yeah, but this car was really cool and nice, I guess. So you're like, it's an El Camino, so I guess. Yeah, I'm not. It's just, on principle, I can't like it. But well, the the Monty I understood SS, why they picked it. The Monty SS with that same nose that they styled the El Camino Choo Choo Custom after. It always looks wrong when you look at it from the side. Because there's so much front overhang in front of the wheels because they added all that extra stuff. And it was for aero for NASCAR is why they did it. But yeah. it just it looks weird in the direct profile view. I would still drive a Monty SS. I don't think I would pick up a Choo Choo Custom El Camino at this point. And then the best import was a immaculate Audi 4085. Yes, perfect. Uh CSQ. Just like your car, but yeah. um, like showroom. Immaculate. Showroom yeah. Like my car, if my car was nice. I mean, the fender wells were still bright red. Yep. I, I didn't look at what the mileage was, but it was perfect. I don't know. I follow him on Instagram. I've seen the car around there a few times. So um, it's neat to see it there. But I was looking at it with the warning. You know, I stuck my head in. He even had like, it just hit me with a nostalgic because it had a like the pine tree smell, the pine tree air freshener. I was like, oh, that's that's okay. 80s too, right there. Um, Instagram user T44Brian. Yeah. He's a uh, an Audi collector. He's got a bunch of Audis. That so, tracks, yeah. Yeah. There was a yellow, actually, a yellow, I'm, yellow T5R. I'm not. Really cool. I'm not, not convinced that I sold him the mud flaps in that car. It's possible. Yeah, as I sold them to a guy who was in Connecticut, and they were brand new in the box, and the ones in the car looked brand new in the box. So I would almost, it was so many years ago that I don't know, um, but I would almost bet that those are my old bud flaps on the car. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, really cool car. 
one uh, another car that doesn't exist around here because people actually use them in the wintertime. Um, yeah. So they rot it out. Like and mine. Then, yeah. And then there was a uh, 13,000 mile Fox Body GT. It was super clean. That's cool. I forget, what, I forget what year it was, but he was over there cleaning and he opened the door. Like it was so funny. The door, the noise of the door opening that latch click. Yep. Like triggered a memory. I was like, I know that sound. Like it was just like, oh yeah, that's what these sound like. Yep. It was just funny. I was joking with him. I was like, oh, your door doesn't say. He's like, nope. He turned around expecting to see Joey or uh, Lenny behind you when you heard the door open. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just funny. That works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some sounds do that. I'm sure that the uh, the opening and closing of the handle on that Audi would have done it for me because they all make yeah. that same clicking noise that every one of them does. Actually, my coworker's 944 has the same handles. And uh, uh, every time he opens the door, I can hear the Audi. I, I can feel like in my hands, I can feel like the weird motion that I had to make the door open, like push pinch. down. But yeah, push down on the piece inside as you pinch it and like push the door in a little bit at the same time. Like anti-theft door handles. Mm. Then there was a super obscure, a lot of, Neva, 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 with a soft top, N I V A. Yeah, those are cool yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're like the worst version of Montero. Oh yeah, the worst version of any four by four. Yeah, but I like them. Um, then there was a base Lancia, so just a Delta. Yep. Not a Integrale. Integrale, yeah, narrow body. Oh, interesting. So I've never seen one before. I've only ever seen Integrales because it's the only thing people ever save. Yep. Or show. So it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, another Delta Integrale. I've seen him a bunch. And you walk up to it and you're like, wait a second, this is boring looking. Yeah. Um, then there's a cool uh, 190 Evo 2. So that's the same car. one that goes to Lime Rock usually, I'm sure. Maybe? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's a different one because that one's like, I feel like the one I saw there was like a pure black and this one's like a metallic black. No, the one that goes to Lime Rock is Metallic Black. All right. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, I guess it's a pretty wild car. I don't, I don't know much about them. There aren't many. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, there was some like really cool stuff there. Yeah, it looked like a good time. And I know that historically the Radwoods at another event are, you know, as not quite the same as a full Radwood as far as car content and the energy of the show, but it looked like it was a pretty good time still. Oh, I got to call out the Azuzu stylist there too. Yeah, of course. Cause that was just really cool. That yep. he was that at Radwood Boston too. Was he not? Yep. Yeah. He's yeah. local. He's from Massachusetts. Yeah. I thought so. Um, it's just a cool, Oh my gosh. I'm blanking on your name too. You came up and in and talked to me. The um, guy with the Azuzu. Yeah. It's at slash ricochet. On slash ricochet. Yep, there you go. But I can't remember his first name. Well, it's hard to remember his first name. So bad. You know them by their by their Instagram handle, you know? And then yeah. it's hard to remember later on what their actual name is. Uh, Scott, though, is his name. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a cool car. And then there was a bagged alpha spider. Did you see the pictures of that? I did, yep. Not a typical it's car. Not for everyone. Run that way, but, but it cool. looks good. Yep. So there's a lot of cool stuff there. But yeah, definitely the energy is not the same. 
wasn't as many people into it. Um, it was more of like a exhibition, I guess, to show sure that, that there's stuff other than 1920s cars. Well, I know you sent some pictures of the um, Concorde de Le Mans, and uh, I would much rather have been at the Redwood side based on those pictures. So there was some yeah, neat, there was I definitely mean, some neat stuff there, but. You know, you would call out somebody for, for a weird car group. That seems to be a weird car group. So. I mean, here's the thing. If you tickets were like 50 bucks for a spectator ticket, um, I got a discount on one through Haggerty. So originally I bought them because I wasn't bringing a car. Right. So it was like 80 bucks for me and Stephanie. So, you know, you're paying 80 bucks to go look at a bunch of Porsches. Sure. Some weird lemons cars of questionable content, and the Rywood cars, which are cool, but that's a lot of money. Yeah, it is and a lot then, of money. Uh, food and stuff is expensive there, so that's that's my fair critique of that. Um, I think that's valid. You had a good time, but it cost a lot of money. It did for the value. I mean, there was there was stuff like. There's some vendors. Yeah, you could spend some more money. I mean, they'd have a kid's zone. Um, they did or didn't? They did. Okay. Unfortunately, Stephanie and, and Marco weren't feeling well, so they stayed home. But still, it's like, I don't know. That's always it one of my favorite. More. That's always one of my favorite parts of the uh, uh, Carlisle event space. They usually have a spot for the kids. They have a whole like playground and a chalk car they can ride on and activities for them. And when I used to go there. When Maria was much younger, we would uh, spend some time over there with her. So I was just important. I I thought that the concourse was also on Saturday, so I thought I would be seeing some really nice cars Mm -hmm. too. Um, But that was only on Sunday, so I was a little bummed about that because I only went down for one day. It also seems weird that the concourse there in Connecticut is so close to the concourse in Rhode Island. Like the odd drain not only really. happened it's like not. three weeks ago, right? I mean, time wise, not distance wise. Uh, it's the same area of the country. It seems weird they're both around the I same. I feel like it was like more than a month ago. Oh. It's definitely, I mean, Greenwich is like, might as well be a New York City suburb. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying distance wise, it's the same. I'm just saying it's, it seems weird to have both, you know, high, super high end, you know, Northeast shows within a couple of weeks of each other. It felt like, yeah, I guess. Um, so yeah, I think those are some some valid critiques. Otherwise, it was nice. Um, Excellent. Only, like, it's funny too, though, because you can't once you're there, you can't leave till four, which is pretty normal for most big shows. They sure. don't want people leaving early. Yeah, it's going to be the same at JCCS. Then it's, then it's just chaotic because yep. you're trying to get through this crowd of people and you just can't. Plus, in, have... insurance doesn't like that cars moving around people thing. Yep. I get it. Um, yeah, I can't really think of much else. Oh, this coming but, weekend I mean, then. I was like ready to go at like two. Right. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, all right, I'm ready to go home because I had a three-hour drive. But yeah. Around out and which is why they have the four o'clock rule because they don't want people like like you leaving so yeah because i had seen the whole show within 20 minutes sure then i'm just milling about i didn't have anybody to hobnob with so 
I get yes. it. So this coming weekend is JCCS. That's what this week has been all about for me. Uh, getting the Cressida all ready to go. Uh, mechanically, it's as sound as it's going to get now for the trip. Um, just need to spend tomorrow night detailing it. And then uh, yeah. head out. Yeah, so this is why I couldn't get to finishing my listing for the Q45. Because uh, it worked out. I have some work to do at our California office uh, next week. And it is 25 minutes from Angel Stadium. Which is perfect. So I, I made sure it was okay with my superiors. I was like, hey, if, if I go out early, is that fine? I'm, I'll cover my expenses for the weekend. And then I'll be there first thing in the morning to do stuff for work. And they're like, yeah, that's okay. So I'm, I'm flying out Friday. I'll be in LA and I'll meet you guys there the morning of the, the show, which is cool because I've never been to JC. CS. Yeah, it'll be neat. It probably makes sense that we can just pick you up at your hotel or something and drive in together. Because there is a charge for parking in the spectator lot, too. Depending on where you are. We'll yeah. talk uh, about we it can, after we can make it work. So, because we're... Might, it might be... My office seems like it's a little bit off the beaten path. It's not in LA. Yeah, whatever. It's uh, east. It's uh, It'd be... Sorry, it'd be... It's east LA, west Phoenix. That's... Yes. Very West Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very West Phoenix. So you'll be there before I will, because um, we're not leaving until after work on Friday. So No, I get in enough time that uh, I got to go to the office on Friday. That way I can call it a work day. Wink, Sweet. Wink. But go over some stuff first. Yeah. Unfortunately, I will uh, be arriving pretty late. I think it's probably a solid five or six hours from here to there. Um. So we're looking at potentially a midnight-ish arrival time. Which I have rented a Mirage or similar. Sweet. Hopefully it's a Versa. <laughs> yeah, I really, I actually really hope it's a Mirage. I've never driven one. Yeah, no, I, I hope it's a Mirage too. But I, I left Mitsubishi right when they launched them. And the first, like I did the training and then I was like, my last week was that week that I did the training. They like brought us to a local hotel, like went over the whole car. And then uh, I left <laughs> to do a different job. I never got to drive one. So it looks like it's about a five and a half hour drive for me. So All right. hopefully I can maybe sneak out of work a little bit early and get a head start and not be there at midnight. I'd like to get in town around 10 would be nice. Maybe meet up for dinner or something. But yeah, figure it out. Hopefully that works out. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And if it does, no, I'll good. see you in the morning. Yeah. So absolutely. it's it's really cool. I've I mean, when do they start? In like oh four, oh five, or something with JCCS. So this is the fifteenth year. This is the fifteenth year. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've wanted to go probably since the first or second year they've had it. Yeah. You've gone before a couple times. I went without a car in 2010. No, yeah, it just never, it just never worked out. 2012. And then I went with a car the year before last. I took the Sapporo out there. And then last year, the event didn't happen. Uh, they had a virtual event. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this year, they're having the real event again. So it gets bigger every year. So I'm imagining that this year is also bigger. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not at, unfortunately, it's not at the picturesque location that it normally is at. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be the same vibe in a parking lot. 
Yeah. So, yeah. It's normally at Marina Green Park in Long Beach, which is where the Queen Mary is docked. And it's like rolling grass field over yeah, the I don't know cove. what the weather is going to be. The weather is going to be 75 and sunny. So we should be good. Okay. Um, right. So not, not too hot. Eh, it won't be bad. So like I said, the problem is though, it's not that same picturesque location that it usually is. So it might be a little, I don't know. We'll see. They they had to make some changes because the park in Long Beach is a, is a city run park and the city didn't want to guarantee they weren't going to up COVID restrictions um, and didn't want to give them enough notice on what they were doing. So in order for them to schedule the event, they had to move to a non-city owned location mm. because if they had you know, changed COVID restrictions a week before the show starts, then the show can't happen and all the money is already spent. So it would not have been, it would not have been positive. So, I mean, it's outside, so whatever right. it is, what it is, but it, uh, it was moved down the road to Angel Stadium in Anaheim. So we'll see what happens. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very excited for it. Um, I know a ton of people from Phoenix who are going, so that's super cool. Um, I'm assuming you're bringing the new stickers with you. So we'll have new stickers if anybody's there. Uh, definitely remind me. I got to pack them. I bring okay. you some stickers. Pack them in your camera bag right now. Um, yeah. We'll maybe. have some We'll have some new stickers uh, to hand out, hopefully, if Andrew remembers. Um, and we'll both be there. So if you see one of us, say hi. So, yeah. And we have a, pre- there. There's a pretty good contingent coming in from Phoenix. I know of a solid six or seven people from here that are going to be there. Maybe that's cool. Maybe, maybe even 10. Think about it. Um, and one of my local friends here is his truck came out of the paint booth today. Uh, so he's not sleeping for the next three days and he's hoping to bring his 78 to pick up there too. So that'll be neat to see cool. that debut. He, uh, he doesn't build crap. He builds real nice stuff. So we'll see what happens. It's the, um, uh, KP 61, something, something on Instagram. I don't remember. Right, cool. Steve's his real name. He's got the yellow starlet. Oh, right. right a real right. nice yellow starlet. Yeah. He's building a really nice 78 Toyota pickup. Um, that's hopefully, hopefully going to be there for its debut show. You know what I mean? Cool. Uh, uh, 81 KP 61. This is his Instagram name. There's a nice. little teaser shot of the Toyota pickup there right now. So. Yeah. And then we'll have some more content because we'll actually be together yep it's perfect bring a recorder uh i feel like if i do we won't have time if i don't we will yes so bring it all right i'll think about it put with the stickers i gotta pack (laughs) (laughs) i got a bunch of stuff to bring so for work as well yeah that's true i think about that all right sir well i think that's a show I think it is a show. So, um, yeah, as always, uh, you can find me on Instagram, Rice and Anger. I'll try to post some more pictures of Radwood to our Instagram, Auto Off Topic Podcast, or it's just Auto Off Topic on Instagram. Um, Brad, where can they find you? Uh, they can also find my stuff there and at TSISS350. I'm actually fighting with Google right now with some picture stuff because my memory is full, it seems. So I'm annoyed. Ah. Yeah, I don't want to pay Google for storage. I'm trying to figure out how to delete some stuff. Do you have a Flickr account that you pay for? I don't pay for my Flickr account either. No, I pay for mine. That's how I back up my stuff. Yeah, there's so much. There's so many. Like, I, pay, I, I pay for so many monthly things now. It's like 
it's frustrating. I pay once a year and then it's unlimited. Yeah. Oh. Or it's every couple of years. It's expensive, but yeah, really exactly. That's, I looked at it and it's expensive. I'm trying to find the best, the best way to store things without being, I don't know. I'll figure it out. All right. So keep cards analog. Aim for the roses. Okay.